This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith weekly devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode's description. Bishop, the topic of your devotion this week is aptly called crucifixion. Yet, like most, if not all of your devotions, it hit me right in the gut. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. You should write that book. (laughs) Maybe a few of them, um, because honestly, you have a way with words. And at the very least, you should be a preacher. There you go. Let's go with that. (laughs) All right. Let's go with that. All right. So could you share a little bit about what prompted the fire in your message this week? Well, I mean, it's Good Friday, right? And, uh, uh, you know, I I think that 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 journey, the Thursday uh, where Jesus meets with his friends at table and then washes their feet, uh, while, you know, as he's being betrayed, I, you know, Friday, uh, Jesus lynched outside the city walls on a garbage dump in front of his mother and his friends. Saturday, you know, uh, that silence um, where, where, where nothing happens. People retreat in fear. And then the shock of, of Easter uh, and that, that God, wait, did God do it? Wait, I think God did it. You know, that alleluia um, that drowns out everything that came before. I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I had a friend tell me, boy, if you can't preach this week, you can't preach. Uh, you know, I think that the messages are always so apt. I mean, this this notion of Jesus's crucifixion and, and how that that was a historical fact. And this is, as I say, by quoting a uh, a rap group from the 90s called Public Enemy. They said crucifixion ain't no fiction. And it, it wasn't then and it isn't now. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so let's talk about that. So Public Enemy, uh, I'm still struck by the number of people who actively wonder, or worse, don't even care to wonder how relevant Jesus's crucifixion is to them today. And I'm wondering how you might inspire our listeners to like maybe come alongside folks who doubt. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I, I have, I have stopped just in my ministry and my preaching and teaching, trying to convince uh, folks of any of the historicity of anything. Right. Um, I, I I leave that to to scholars and to other folks. What I want to say is that the dimensions and the, and the paradigm and the truths of our biblical stories are, are relevant right now. You know, it's, it's a, the, the stories are, a poetry that still speaks about what it means to be human. So when I say that Jesus was actually historically crucified on a Friday 2,000 years ago, great. Uh, but what I'm also saying is, is that the way that Jesus taught us to love and to live and to care for one another, Jesus is being crucified right now because of the ways in which we shirk from that that vision. We shirk from those uh, opportunities to care for one another. We shirk from in, in the way. And, and so I give you a great a list here. 
Um, you know, I mean, Judas is not the only person who ever betrayed Jesus. I mean, yes, that once an historical event, but is, is, is Jesus been betrayed by other Judases since that time? Yes. Have we ourselves? And this is the hard part, right? This is the hard part for those of us who want to maintain some sort of sense of false Christian perfection. Have we been Judas at all? I mean, I always tell people, you know, <clears throat> church people make me nervous. And what I mean by that is, you know, people who are addicted to innocence and perfection make me nervous. And, the, and, the, and they shield themselves from the real reach of the gospel. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is for people who are not perfect, for people who, like Peter, deny his friend, for people like Judas, who have from time to time betrayed their friend, uh, etc. You can only sort of get the full measure of his grace when you finally realize that you have been Judas at certain circumstances in your life. And so I, I think it's important uh, to fend off this, this sad manufacturing of, of innocence that we do sometimes and, and, and really feel uh, some of the dimensions of how we have been at odds with God and are at odds with God. And, and so we can feel the grace you know, what did Paul say? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I think, you know, the good news of God in Christ is there. To feel that is to realize, you know, with clarity how you have missed the mark. Uh, and, uh, and, and that, that that is no obstacle for God, that God is still nevertheless reaching out to us, despite the fact that we have been like Judas, we have been like Peter, we have been like Thomas who doubted, we have been like a whole host of biblical characters. So I think there's an invitation in this story. How should we as believers better concern ourselves with folks who may not fully understand what happened on the cross over 2000 years ago? I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, implicit in your in your in your question, I think is is um, uh, you know what the Bible would invite us to do, which is to sort of uh, be evangelists, to to sort of be the outward facing of Christ, to tell his story and tell it fully. Um, what what concerns me when I think about that is that some people default to with that invitation. Some people default to you know the finger wagging version of telling that story. You know, I think what Jesus does on Good Friday uh, is is dismantle everything that's not love by love, right? And so, uh, you know, when we're telling people, you know, I, I like what we say in the in the South. We say, "I can show you better than I can tell you," and and I think this is what Jesus does. And I wonder if that isn't what the world is really begging for. I mean, it's no surprise to me. That as the song says, Jesus never said a mumbling word. And when he's actually on the cross, what does he do? He does a couple of things. He says, I thirst. He also says, uh, Father, forgive the very people who are piercing his side, who have betrayed him, who are actually actively lynching him. And then he promises paradise to a convict uh, who has definitely lived a life that's sort of beneath the Jewish ideals and so beyond that, Jesus doesn't have a lot to say, but he's doing, he's being. And I think if, if that's what we mean by telling the story, I think that's the better road. All right, friends, well, we'll be back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening. If you're a first time listener, we encourage you to subscribe. We release a new episode every Friday. 
Next Friday, April 9th, we encourage all listeners to join us for a very special conversation with Presiding Bishop Michael Curry, one in which we'll speak to the joy of Easter. And now, back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop, I'm struck by how Christians the world over will often skip over or gloss over the uncomfortable truths like Jesus's crucifixion and jump right on over to the joy of Easter. Yeah, like, which is absolutely wonderful. Yep. And and yet we forget how responsible we are for the necessity of the cross in the first place. So what your devotion did for me was help me to wrestle with the fact that we aren't just an Easter people, but we're Maundy Thursday and Good Friday people too. Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're, we're um, Holy Saturday people. In other words, the, the silence between the wounds and the pain and the, and the lynching and the hallelujah. We're, we're all of those people. This is the beauty of it. And, and this is why I commend the Bible story beyond any preacher. Uh, read it for yourself. Walk slowly through it. Uh, put your shoes on and go into the story and walk those roads. I, I think what it illuminates is it illuminates the character of God and it illuminates our character, and it illuminates the fact that uh, oftentimes God's love uh, to us is unrequited uh, by us, right? I mean, so so God is always reaching, God is always hoping, God is always inviting, God is always merciful, and and we're fickle. You know, what's the song say? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, right? So so Good Friday is just a dramatic example of, of the ways in which we do that. Right. I mean, it wasn't only Judas who betrayed God for silver. How many of us uh, have betrayed uh, Jesus for silver? Right. We, we've, we've put more stake and more value in, in monetary things than we have, you know, in things eternal. You know, more more of us, uh, you know, have pierced Jesus's side than just the Roman, the Roman soldier with our arrogance, with our hatred, with our hatred, with our vitriol uh, one to the other. Right. And so, I mean, you know, people got to understand my tone here. My, my tone is, is, is not that, you know, uh, we ought to just sort of put ashes on our face and, and, you know, and put our chin on our chest and just walk around. Woe was me. No, not at all. But the gift of this is to create a space for us to acknowledge that we are complex beings. I mean, we tell the story when, you know, when there's no COVID and we're all in church uh, on Good Friday, normatively, we read the story together. We read it in parts. That would be familiar to lots of people. And somebody gets to be Pontius Pilate, and somebody gets to be Jesus, and somebody gets to be Judas. And somebody, all of us rather, get to be the crowd. And it's always fascinating to me that all of us get to say, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus comes in to the city, his public debut, riding on an ass, comes in humble, right? Modest, a modest dude. This is this is the revolutionary. I'm sure people said this guy, you know, meek. And we all say Hosanna. Oh, wonderful. Palm branches just to swing in. Right. Copes and capes laying on the ground. And then in just a few short days, the very same crowd is saying crucify him. And I feel like if we can't acknowledge that about ourselves, then perhaps we haven't really sort of moved up into a, a real level of maturity and reality. We are both. We are both the most faithful expression of ourselves and sort of the most most unfaithful expression of ourselves, right? 
And so we've got to acknowledge that about ourselves. It doesn't make us bad or shameful beings or we're worth nothing or we're just these terrible things. Not at all. But it is part of who we are. And if we can confront that, it can be less of who we are. The negative part of it can be less of who we are. This is the gift of Good Friday, is to acknowledge that we take some share of responsibility in the world that is, right? It's not just about those bad people, those villains, that few people, just that shooter in Boulder, just that shooter in Atlanta, just these bad people. No, all of us have a stake, right? And have either colluded or actively participated in making the world what it is. And all of us can take up a share in making the world, as our presiding bishop would say, the dream that God intended. But you got to confront what is right now. Yeah. Well, Easter joy wouldn't be nearly as potent if we didn't go through the Good Friday and the Holy Saturdays, et cetera, et cetera. Right. This is it. This is it. I mean, life does not actually just sort of race to a, an authentic joy and hallelujah. You've got to pass through some stuff. Here's the gift, though, right? That, that, that Scripture does not ask and Jesus does not ask us to get stuck in Good Friday. Do I want you to feel it? Yes. Do I want you to feel the full force of it? Yes. Do I want you to sort of imagine yourself on that garbage dump 2,000 years ago alongside Jesus' mother as she watched her child take his last breath, the child she gave birth to. Do I want you to see that? Do I want to see that? Do I need to see that? Yes. But I don't want us to get stuck forever on that hill. I mean, this is the gift of God. Even Jesus doesn't get stuck on that hill. When he appears resurrected and in glory, he appears to his friends. He shows them the wounds. It was real, but he's so much more than his wounds, right? That's the invitation at that point. And people are so much more than their wounds. And we're so much more than our worst day, our worst decision, or our worst deed. But those things are legitimate. And we are so much more in God's eyes. And so we're called into a future that in some way now has to take into account our worst day. But you don't have to be a slave to it. I was thinking this past uh, Palm Sunday, as we were doing the very script that you were just referring to, I was thinking to myself, like when they say, you know, save yourself, you know, just climb on down from there. And I thought, I thought to myself, I wonder what would have, like, what would have happened had he done that? (laughs) Like (laughs) Jesus wouldn't have conquered death. So of course he couldn't, he could, I mean, he could have for sure. Right. But it would have been all for naught. Right. And so I also was thinking about all the pain and all the trouble in the world today and how much love indeed conquers. I was thinking yes. about children who are born into just horrible life situations and circumstances. And when they're shown love, how they're able to rise up and come through it. You know, some of the worst people in the whole entire world by the standards of the world still love things, you know, and that is redemption there. And so you had a phrase in your in your devotion and it says, his love makes a lonely walk right in front of us. So Bishop, I'm just wondering, how is that relevant to us? What, what message of hope could that mean? Well, you know, what I was trying to take people back to was, you know, as Jesus is, is being uh, processed and shamed through the city carrying his cross, I mean, there's love making a lonely walk. 
you know, then right in front of so many people, his friends, right? Other people who had been in crowds that he had convened previously to, to hear about the goodness of God, to, to sort of to hear from Jesus, who, who was a rabbi with, who spoke with authority, um, that they, were, they had a place in God's economy. These people, you know, for one reason or the other, stood there and watched love walk by lonely. And, and so I guess what, I, what I'm hoping in that sentence is, is that maybe that turn of phrase might catch our attention and, and then we might be slightly more sensitive to the ways in which and the times in which, you know, love is walking lonely in front of us. And, and maybe we ought to, we might inventory ourselves, like what keeps us from joining love in that moment, right? Pride, pain, you know, fear, all of those things are real. Right. And so I, I always think, you know, Jesus always named the demon before he cast it out. And so I, I feel like there's real power here in creating a space as someone who writes and as someone who talks to folks. I always feel like the real power is not in the eloquence and not in the turn of phrase, but but to create a, a space, a window, a door where people can in, in their own good time and in their own way, walk through that look around and, and see themselves and see an opportunity for progress, maybe for some healing, uh, maybe for some truth and some reality. And so I know, I know personally, there have been times in my life when I have chosen for whatever reason to let love walk silently by me, let love walk lonely before me. Right. And I think this, I think if we're honest, many of us uh, might have an example of that uh, in that last disagreement with spouse um, we chose perhaps something uh, in parenting rather than uh, unconditional love, uh, perhaps with a colleague, perhaps with a, a family member, et cetera. There are many occasions where we have probably let love walk lonely right in front of us. And so the invitation of Good Friday is, you know, don't. You know, there, there's a wonderful old hymn that, that says, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free, and 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 I've, that 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 hymn haunts me every Good Friday, uh, because it it it's so dramatic, and in in the, in the way that spirituals just make the point. There, there's our brother Jesus. So forget Lord of Lord and you know Messiah for a minute. There's our brother, uh, who came with love on his lips, and he's walking lonely in front of us. Uh, you know Simon of Cyrene. Uh, a black man uh, is forced to join Jesus. And I could, I could make a whole other sermon about that. But, but Simon of Cyrene comes, uh, uh, you know, because a Roman soldier forces him to and helps to, to bear some of the weight of the cross. But otherwise, other people stood and watched. Uh, and I wonder, uh, you know, and my, if I use my spiritual imagination, as, G as Martin Luther King used to say, my sanctified imagination I wonder did did people after that day was over when they're uh, in their homes, did people feel something about that? How love had walked lonely in front of them, and how they had not attempted uh, to join it. Bishop, thank you, and thank you, listeners, for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.